Welcome back to Community-Based Pharmacy Practice. Today, we have Michael Heinrichs, the Senior Vice President of Business Development with Comprehensive Pharmacy Services. Michael's here today to talk to us about specialty pharmacy. So, Michael, thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here today. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. So before we get into the nitty gritty with specialty pharmacy, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and your position at CPS. Be glad to. So um, as Dana said, I'm the Senior Vice President of Business Development for the Sparks team, specialty pharmacy and ambulatory pharmacy. We're a division. Uh, my background, uh, I've been in the health system space for uh, well over 30 years now, and I don't look it, but, you know, I started very young, um, not really. Uh, but that being said, um, my background is uh, principally in the pharmacy space. So I played every base from the technician to the clinical coordinator through the director of pharmacy, uh, director for system, and um, ultimately uh, had opportunity to be in an administrator role for um a number of service lines, including cardiology and digestive diseases. And uh, from there, I moved into an, a really interesting role as a strategic account manager for a large group purchasing organization. I had the opportunity to interface and uh, uh, work with a, a number, ultimately about 25 large strategic IDNs across the United States, really kind of uh, focused on that pharmacy space. It was really in the early 2010s that I recognized the fact that um, ambulatory pharmacy uh, was becoming an ever increasing part of pharmacy services across the health system space. Um, while there were probably a few innovators that started a little earlier, it really was in the 2010s that um, health systems really began to invest and understand the value associated with their ambulatory pharmacy space. And I focused my attention there and have been working in that space ever since. Wow, so many great experiences. And I know that you've done a lot with the specialty team. Uh, tell us a little bit more about Sparks. So they'll hear from other, a few other people from CPS. So they've got a general idea as well as they have some cohort um, individual students from there. But tell us specifically about the Sparks division. Sure. So um, SPARC stands for Specialty Pharmacy and Ambulatory Pharmacy Services. And uh, so we really encompass the entire value stream of pharmacy on the ambulatory side. And so whether that is in the retail space, the specialty pharmacy space, or uh, infusion, um, those are the principal places uh, there are others that are emerging as we move forward, such as the PBM space that is rapidly evolving. And so all of those have many of the same foundations that you see in the inpatient space, but there is a lot of difference. As most of us know, in the health system space, um, the ambulatory pharmacy divisions typically kind of grew organically. Um, at the same time, the ambulatory space for commercial enterprises was constricting. And so basically it was consolidating to ultimately, you know, end up with a handful of players in that space. We all know the names, Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, mm -hmm. and like, 
And so basically what happened is, is the knowledge around ambulatory really kind of is confined and, and constricted down to the, um, uh, you know, to a handful of conglomerates out there. And, um, and so specialty and, and ambulatory, especially uh, in, in, in all veins, um, really kind of because of its organic growth in health systems, um, has, has not really evolved in the most competent way. Um, because it's very hard to find that talent and those capabilities outside of, uh, I mean, within the health system. And so what we offer are solutions um, across the entire ambulatory value stream for pharmacy to help health systems improve their services, grow their services, optimize their services. Yeah, and one of those services that we'll get into uh, here is specialty pharmacy. And I know that I've heard you speak on specialty pharmacy um, a few times, and each time I'm like, wow, you know a lot. So that's why I invited you here today, and I'm really excited for us to dive into, you know, the specialty piece and hear more about that because um, you are so knowledgeable on this topic. Um, yeah, so so let's I, I, I will interrupt there. So the interesting thing is, is that that presents an interesting perspective because uh -huh. um, that's coming from somebody within a health system. And yet when I look at my own knowledge base compared to some of my colleagues who have been in the specialty pharmacy space for a very long time, my knowledge is not nearly as immense <laughs> as theirs. And so I appreciate the compliment, but would have to say humbly that, um, you know, there are others that have a lot more talent than I do on our team. Yeah, I think that you'll give a great perspective to the students today about um, just kind of the background. And that's what we want to talk about. They'll hear from someone else um, in the specialty world as well, but really wanted to get into the nitty gritty of like what specialty is, kind of the impact on the health system. Um, because you do go in and offer these solutions, how you work with administrators. So that's um, that's really what we're going to talk about today. So let's dive into kind of what specialty is and perhaps what defines a specialty medication. Yeah, sure. So let me uh, go, go through just a, a couple of pieces of background on our group, just to give you kind of framework yeah. just uh, uh, real quick. Um, so we are, um, we, have re we have footprints in over 50 retail pharmacies that we actively manage across the country. Um, I talked about this contrast between health systems and the commercial enterprises. Uh, we've brought a lot of that talent internally from the commercial enterprises. So we have really tremendous and vast experience across that industry space. Additionally, on the specialty pharmacy side, uh, we have footprints in over 100 health systems across the country on the Sparks team. Um, and uh, anything from you know, really deep grain relationships all the way through um, being placing the clinical management solution for specialty pharmacy, um, which is our uh, one of our partner um, uh, vendors, our, our one of our sister companies, um, Theragy. And so, you know, what you can see there is a, a tremendous capability and experience. So yeah, absolutely. The question you specifically asked, um, kind of what is a specialty medication? So we can kind of start there. And uh, in short, these are drugs that are used for chronic and complex disease states. 
Um, and so what that, uh, what differentiates them are really the things that you see on the right hand side. Um, so these are typically very expensive drugs. By definition, anything over $6,000 per year. Um, but the reality is, is that a lot of these drugs cost a lot more. And when I say a lot more, um, I read uh, just the other day that the most expensive specialty drug that has been launched this year will be costing $72,000 per month, right? Wow. So this is a drug that has a price tag of almost a million dollars. So what we understand as a result of that is, is that, you know, these are drugs that are priced at very high prices. They're having to be paid by the payer at very high prices. And so there's a lot of interest in making sure that these drugs are managed properly. And this is frankly where health systems, where retail pharmacy um, dropped the ball because um, the, the, the focus, while it was historically on, uh, while, while these drugs historically were kind of managed within the health system or within a retail pharmacy, uh, nobody wanted to take on that responsibility of managing the patient. And uh, yet pharma and the payer were insistent that these drugs be managed because uh, the, the price tag is so high. So you have a very high price tag. That price tag is tied to an outcome. So the people that are paying for it and the people that are distributing it and demanding that high price want to know that it's being managed properly. And so there's a lot of steps associated with that, not the least of which are the things that, for example, special handling, uh, cold chain, warm chain, you know, drugs break. Uh, these types of drugs, which are typically large molecule drugs, they break in cold environments just as much as they do in hot environments. And in fact, in hot environments, it's even worse. And so, um, you know, because they are very costly, payment issues come into play. And, uh, and, and as a result of uh, some of the expenses and the number, small number of uh, patients that are often used, there are narrow distribution channels, narrow payer channels. And then the thing that really makes specialty special is that these drugs require monitoring. So you have to monitor these drugs and make sure that the patient is taking them, being adherent, and um, apply it and addressing any type of shortfalls as it might be side effects or otherwise that come along. So, for example, when we look at drugs that are used for hepatitis, originally they came out very expensive. $80,000 was the price tag for a course of therapy. And, um, you know, everybody was, uh, you know, really, really struggling with that. The prices come down significantly, half of that in some cases. And so um, there, but still $30,000 for a course of therapy compared to what we were looking at in the past is much different. But these drugs have a 98% cure rate if they're used effectively. And so uh, what, what that translates to is that if you manage the patient properly, if they're adherent, they have a very, very good probability of being um, uh, of being cured of hepatitis C, and so um, that is uh, you know essentially tied to the price tag, that is tied to the payer, and it is tied to the pharmacy. 
Yeah. So it sounds like very complex medications, a lot of factors that play into them. Um, and one of the biggest things, like you said, which is number one on your list is the price of medications and they can be very costly. Um, so what, you know, thinking about that and thinking about how expensive these medications are, what is the impact to, you know, the healthcare system to the United States? Is there, there's, there has to be a significant impact there. Yeah, so we can walk through, you know, uh, I'll skip this slide, but let's move over to this. You know, basically these drugs are, are drugs that are typically dispensed by specialists. That was the slide before where you see specialists like rheumatology, oncology, neurology, gastroenterology. They're typically the dispensers of these drugs. And and back in the um, in 2010, um, you know, specialty pharmaceuticals actually constituted a very small uh, portion of the total overall pharmaceutical spend in the United States. By 2018, half of all pharma spend, it wasn't quite half, it was like 49.6% or something like that in uh, 2018. But now half of all pharma spend, more than half, is in specialty pharmaceuticals. This is driven by only 2% of the population. So these are the chronic complex patients that we see um, in those practices. So patients with rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, um, uh, inflammatory bowel diseases, as an example, oncology. There's a number of drugs in the oncology space, right? Unless we think it's going to go away, it is not. So uh, the pipeline is chock full of specialty pharmaceuticals, and the probability is, is that most drug therapy will ultimately move into some sort of a full, uh, specialty pharmaceuticals. There's still some small molecule development and process, but we see less and less every year. So the impact is very significant. And, 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 and for health systems, when you think about it, right, um, you know, back in 2010, when, you know, 78% uh, of pharmaceutical spend were in generics and brand drugs that were typically small molecule, um, you know, it was, that was a really important play. Um, and now, basically, what we see is that, you know, half of all spend is in that specialty space. And it's not a space that I would say that health systems have really invested and health system pharmacists have invested. Yeah, so there's a there's a huge impact. And I mean, if something's going to grow that quickly, um, I know we'll get into it in a little bit, but there could be, like you mentioned, significant impact for uh, for a health system, for an organization to, you know, really focus in on this and I can see why it's becoming such a large area of focus for many health systems around the country. Um, but before we get into that, um, you know, we've discussed before, there's, you know, the medical benefit, the pharmacy benefit. Where do you see a lot of these costs going towards? The medical pharmacy, is there a difference? Yeah, there, there, that's a good question. And so um, I'll come back to some of these slides, I think. Okay. Um, let me move over to here, this slide. Um, so what we see is that out of the entire specialty pharmacy, pharmaceutical spend, um, at least in 2018, you know, about 60% was on the 
pharmacy benefits. So these are the drugs that are um, distributed under the uh, payer pharmacy benefit in, uh, you know, in government, that would be uh, Part B um, in, uh, and, and, and I mean, uh, uh, that would be the, the uh, pharmacy benefit and then in commercial, no, I don't, I don't have it quite right, but it doesn't matter. Bottom line is, is that the medical benefit um, is about 60% and 40% is, um, I'm sorry, 60% is on the pharmacy benefit, 40% is on the medical benefit. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and that's really interesting uh, because typically the medical benefit, those are the typically the infusible drugs. Um, a, a large portion of them, almost 40% back in 18, were infused at the health system. And that's changing pretty rapidly. And, you know, this actually used to be 50-50. So about half of all pharma spend was on the pharmacy benefit and the other half was on the medical benefit. So the infusibles. But what we're seeing is, is payers are pushing and pushing and pushing to move drug from the medical benefit to the pharmacy benefit. So I'll give you a couple, I'll give you at least one great, great example is IVIG. So IVIG was a drug that had historically always been dispensed under the medical benefit infused at the hospital patient department. Um, you had a lot of patients. Um, over, I would say, the last three years, gradually, most all of the IVIG business is now being uh, managed either through home infusions or at an outside ambulatory center outside of the um, outside of the hospital under the pharmacy benefit, mm -hmm. and so this is a significant cost shift for payers because the most expensive site of care for payers to give drug is at the hospital and health center. So it really changes the dynamic. Um, you know, this, there's, there's still all of this pharma spend going on. There's still half of all spend being spent on specialty, but how it's being spent and where it's being spent is the, the, the key issue. And so while we are typically very familiar on the health system side with the medical benefit spend and infusibles and the like, the reality is, is that that collision between the medical benefit and the pharmacy benefit are, is happening very quickly and as importantly, maybe more importantly for a pharmacist, for a health system pharmacist, they need to start understanding that pharmacy benefit. Yeah, and, and like you said, it's so complex. And I think in a lot of health systems, it's the responsibility of like infusion and even the obviously the pharmacy, but infusion services are typically under the pharmacy leaders. And so for them to have that understanding, especially with everything changing so rapidly, it, it is really important for them to think about that big picture and what it could do um, to control costs because I mean, I feel like it all keeps coming back to that principle of cost and where that's going. Yeah, and, 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 and yes, it is about cost, um, but at the same time, it, it shifts the conversation from a cost conversation, in many cases, to a revenue conversation. Because in the ambulatory space, um, it is uh, you're being reimbursed for your distribution and for your dispenses. And so it is a mind shift uh, because historically health systems have been very focused on managing costs 
and managing um, uh, the costs to their lowest point. Um, on the other hand, if uh, you know if you're dispensing a drug and you get reimbursed on a percent of the cost of that drug, then you know how important is that cost management uh, conversation? And and you know it, it, it is again you know kind of like the collision between the medical and the benefit medical and the pharmacy benefit mm -hmm. cost conversation is also colliding because we want to keep drug we want to keep pharmaceutical expenses at their lowest um, but in a in a business we want to keep our revenue at its highest so how do we balance that and that's where risk comes in so I'm going to just jump back here for a second. So why do hospitals and health systems want to get in the specialty pharmacy space? Well, you know, the shiny object really is economics. And so um, the economics are driving uh, the majority of this and um, whether that's compressed economics on the infusion side of the house or whether that's growth of economics on the pharmacy benefit through specialty pharmacies uh, side of the house. Uh, the economics is driving most of those conversations, typically as a result of this unprecedented growth in specialty pharmaceuticals. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, what we're going to find is, is that um, as risk becomes more and more and more important conversation and as managing populations become more important moving forward, we're going to have to do that if we're going to remain economically viable. Controlling the patient journey becomes key. And uh, while we're still really early in those conversations, to be honest with you, most health systems, 85% of health systems have an ACO relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, that is important to that relationship. But typically, um, health systems are not operating in fully ma risk managed environments. And so it's kind of a mixed bag as to that piece. But as risk grows, and I, you know, quite confident that, you know, we're going to see health systems taking on more and more and more risk. That's the one trend that everybody says is probable moving forward. Um, we'll see that, you know, managing that patient journey and, and uh, controlling the costs um, and managing the, the revenue side of the house become important. Yeah, so it sounds like you said, like, reduce cost, maximize revenue, and risk management is a huge part of operating specialty and, and thinking about the specialty picture. So right. in, in all of those and all these conversations, how do you work or how do you, you know, go to sell, I guess, the, the solutions or options of specialty pharmacy when you're talking with hospital administrators or things? How do you give them that idea? Or I guess explain that to them. Yeah, that's a, a really good question. And so um, I want to start there with kind of this, this uh, quote from uh, American Pharmacy Association from 2013, where, you know, basically um, this was in 13, right? So this is now seven years ago. It's every bit as uh, pertinent today, I believe. But, you know, it says pharmacists, regardless of their area of practice, should understand the place of specialty pharmacy within the industry, even though the field may be difficult to define, right? So we've talked about the fact that there are the drugs that are 
uh, you know, managed on the pharmacy benefit. So these are typically the oral and self-injectable drugs, as an example. Um, we've talked about the drugs that are managed on the medical benefits. So those are typically the infusibles. But now we're seeing kind of there's a, you know, back and forth here. There are some drugs that are could very well be considered self-injectables like Nulasta and Nucogen that, you know, are managed on the medical benefit. And at the same time, there's drugs that are um, infusibles, clearly infusibles, IVIG, and yet it's managed on the pharmacy benefit. So we're seeing kind of this mishmash out there. And so this space is, is really challenging to define. And so we've taken a, a different position in the, and, and we define it as the specialty pharmacy ecosystem. And so when we look at the ecosystem, there's a lot of parts and pieces here. There's more that is in the ecosystem than what we just see here. Um, but these, uh, uh, you know, are the components. And so the, it starts with the patient. So it starts with that patient with that complex of chronic disease and their relationship with their specialty provider, typically. And so, um, and, and then it's a decision on where they're going to go. Typically, what we see is in a lot of disease states, they start in the retail pharmacy and uh, they get a small molecule and, you know, something that is more traditional in nature. If we're talking about rheumatoid arthritis as an example, um, they might start in the, you know, with, with you know, a number of drugs or if we're talking about um, MS, a little less so with MS, but with multiple sclerosis, they start with the ABC. So, um, uh, Abinex, Betaseron, Capaxone, um, but then they typically move quickly into other drugs. And so that could either fall into the infusion space or fall into the specialty pharmacy space. Um, so again, in the infusion space, that's pretty obvious what that is. And the specialty pharmacy space is typically those drugs that are oral and self-injectable. Historically, I would say that. Um, that being said, uh, we're seeing more and more of the infusions being driven over to the pharmacy benefit because of cost-related issues. And uh, that's where you start getting into issues of brown bagging, white bagging, clear bagging, and all of these issues. And so... You know, this interplay, this interrelationship between these different sectors of the ecosystem is, is pretty profound. Um, you know, most patients that are on specialty pharmaceuticals are also on some other small molecule. And so they need that retail pharmacy access. And then, you know, clearly the health plan and uh, pharma become key components in that play because uh, one pays for it um, and the other basically manufactures and distributes it. And so uh, everybody's got their hand in it and understanding the entire ecosystem and managing the ecosystem is how we would define uh, specialty pharmacy. Wow, that's a very complex and, you know, it's kind of clear as mud, right? There's a lot of different things going on and, um, pharmacy has its hands in everything and so like you said good to understand and to know and to make sure that you understand this ecosystem and play a role um, i think is really important and you talked about the difference i think between you know the outpatient community pharmacy and this 
uh, specialty pharmacy. So some more of the outpatient community, some more of those um, like typical maintenance medications, those types of things where specialty is very complex. Um, then there you go. That's a perfect um, <laughs> graph there. Um, so what about the difference, I think, between um, like what you think is some of your commercial specialty versus what you would see as a hospital-like system who operates specialty? Sure. Let me, let me start it a little bit, um, uh, take it back just one step if I could. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, what's the difference between a retail pharmacy and a specialty pharmacy? I think that's a good place to start. And then we can launch into the difference between the commercial specialty pharmacy and the system specialty pharmacy. So what we see in the retail specialty pharmacy is that these are typically small molecule drugs. They're not biologics by and large. Um, they have a lower cost, typically less than $2,500 a year is, is the expense associated. We're seeing those creep up, but we're also seeing it go down with formula generics and those kinds of things, right? Um, but as yep. we all know, um, you know, you walk into the pharmacy, you hand in your prescription, um, you go buy some paper towels and, you know, whatever else that you might need as you're wandering around and 20 to 30 minutes later, you come back and you're able to pick up your prescription. Um, that's made possible by real-time adjudication, right? So, so basically the pharmacy submits it, it goes out to the switch, the switch approves it, it comes back, it's ready to fill. It's paid for almost effectively immediately aside from what your copay responsibility is, right? And, right. And, and, and these are all open access drugs. There's no restrictions as far as the, uh, the payer. There's no restrictions from pharma. You can get them from your pharmacy. It's no big deal. And they're typically, you know, very little special handling or monitoring necessary. Now, you know, we, we, we made a, might've dropped the ball from, from the pharmacy perspective simply because it became a commercial business. And so, you know, the, the, the investment in monitoring patients, et cetera, um, probably dropped off more effectively than it um, should have. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we know, you know, while we can ask the pharmacist a question and get some counseling and the like, um, the amount of um, monitoring that goes on and, and, you know, most of these drugs, if they need special handling, they need to be refrigerated. Right. In specialty pharmacy, these are mostly large molecule drugs, biologics, uh, very high cost. We already talked about that. But because of these high costs, they have a complex run-in business infrastructure that's required. So these all require prior authorization from the payer. Um, that requires a benefit investigation. A lot of times those drugs are denied. You have to go through the appeals process. And probably more important than anything else is the fact that, um, that, that these are expensive drugs and copay becomes an issue. So we know that drugs that cost 200, have a $250 copay have a, over a 30% abandonment rate. So if the Ow. patient is prescribed a drug, that their, their responsibility is $250. They basically just, in many cases, will walk away. I don't have it. Well, a lot of these drugs could have copays of thousands of dollars. 
And so helping the patient afford the drug becomes very, very important. Additionally, because we talked about it a little bit earlier already, because of the costs and because of the, um, uh, the, the, the need to make sure that the patients are getting it right, um, the, the uh, pharma has um, restricted the distribution channels in many cases. Some of that's economics, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And then the payers have an economic incentive to keep their own patients because they all have specialty pharmacies. And so that originated out of the fact that they wanted to manage those patients and they wanted to do the best for those patients. And now kind of it's gotten sideways with the fact that they have these businesses, these large specialty pharmacies, commercial specialty pharmacies, and, and they want to keep that business. And then lastly, we talked about it already, and that's the issue of special monitoring that is required for these drugs. Um, and, and typically, these drugs are, um, because of the prior authorization process, you're not going to get them in 20 minutes. It takes days to weeks in a lot of cases uh, to be able to get through the prior authorization process. So they're all uh, typically uh, distributed by some sort of a, a distribution service. And they require, you know, cold chain management or temperature controlled supply chain management. When we look at the difference between a specialty pharmacy for a commercial versus a health system, um, what we see is that uh, on the commercial side, uh, these are uh, typically very high volume, very large businesses. So they'll operate on on, on pretty much a razor's edge, a 2% margin. So when you think about 2% margin businesses, uh, you know, the, your grocery store is an example. They operate on a 2% margin. Um, you know, this is, this is, there's not a lot of room for error. There's a need for efficiencies. And so um, most of these are owned by the large commercial interests. So um, uh, every payer, has their own um, uh, specialty pharmacy. So um, United has Optum, uh, CVS has Caremark, USI Express Scripts has Accredo. Um, so that's the Cigna relationship. And so, you know, there's, it's really consolidated again. Um, and so they control the market. They set the terms and conditions. It's very hard to compete in that space. Um, because of their large volume, they leverage pharma for distribution rights, um, something that a health system can't do. Um, uh, the thing about it is they're very sophisticated in their operations. And because they have to operate on that 2% margin, they know how to manage and operate a specialty pharmacy at its highest degree of efficiency. And that's where the Sparks team, as, a, as an example, has come in um, because a lot of our team has come from industry um, we are not only able to manage, but build specialty pharmacies that are very efficient and drive the greatest value to a health system. So in short, commercial specialty pharmacies, again, are large volume, small margin businesses. In health systems, the, the opposite is true. So this is in, three, in the 340B environment. Um, they typically operate on large margins and very small volumes, but they can drive effectively almost the same total value to the health system that a large complex specialty pharmacy on the commercial side can. 
and, wow. and they do that by virtue of the margins. And uh, so in many cases, operating on a 30% plus margin, um, the challenge with that is, is that um, a, a 2%, 5% kind of goes unnoticed. And so health systems just don't drive the value um, that they do on the commercial side. And that's basically because newfound money in a health system is hard to find. And they you know, want to have that newfound money. And then when it's found, they're like, oh, I'm happy. And, and the question is, is not asked, well, you, know, you, you helped us get to 5 million. Can you get us to 10 or 20? And it, because everybody's very happy. And so um, experience will tell you different. So they're controlled by the hospital and health system. The payer market is, is limited typically at the beginning to um, the any willing provider group, such as Medicare and Medicaid. Um, you have to demonstrate at, um, competency in order to get to, um, to the limited distribution drugs and get to payer. And that starts with an accreditation, which is unusual because most uh, pharmacies do not require accreditation. And so this is uh, something new uh, for healthcare administrators as well as pharmacists. And I talked a little bit about the fact that they're highly variable and how they're run and operated. And so, um, you know, as a result, you end up with a mixed bag of clinical results. You end up with a mixed bag of economic results. Um, whereas if it's done right, then the opportunity for a health system is tremendous to be able to drive new value, take care of patients better than they ever have, create great image for their organization and drive additional values even beyond what we've known uh, in the past. Yeah, and you said something at the beginning of all of that, too, that kind of sparked my thought process. Um, you mentioned 340B. So I, I see that as an opportunity if a health system operates 340B um, with this specialty hand in hand, that that could go really well together, as well as um, if a health system is self-insured to try to help drive down some of those costs by maximizing some of the revenue, I think, from their own and keeping everything within the health system as well. Is that true? Yeah, or how does no, that play out? Your point is, is precise. So, um, you know, the largest population that a health system takes risks for it is their own self-insured population. And in fact, in, in, in most communities, health systems are one of the top five employers. And in a lot of communities, they are the number one employer. And, and so um, they need to be able to manage the risk associated with these very complex, very expensive patients. And so you're absolutely right. Managing that life and uh, controlling those costs and, and, and capitalizing on the 340B opportunity that is within your organization, that's what it's there for. Because at the end of the day, you know, the health system, if they are able to generate new revenues, that goes back into the community to provide better care. Right, and, yeah. And that's exactly what the intent, and that's what the excitement is in the ambulatory space, is building an infrastructure that creates value for the organization, creates value for the community. Yeah, um, and I think that's some of the things too that we talked about that could potentially be, I like, 
catching to administrators and the ways that specialty can do all of these things too. You know, we've talked about the cost reduction, maximizing revenue, all of those things, but also I think a lot of us became pharmacists to take care of patients and take care of our communities. And, you know, that's the underlying thing here is that can help health systems do that and do it well within their own communities and the people that they serve. Yeah, I mean, very much so. And and there's even other pieces as it relates to that, that, for example, um, we don't think about, but those are touches. And so in the marketing world, uh, we're beginning to understand, you know, and, and certainly social media is relevant here, right? It, you know, it's basically how many touches do you have? Well, the same thing is true for a health system. The more touches the health system has, the better the image of the health system for their community. Well, a specialty pharmacy and retail pharmacy generate a tremendous number of touches. And that mm -hmm. end result is, is a greater reputation for your health system, which, you know, is, is always, reputation is always a challenge because who wants to get sick? Who wants to go to the hospital? So right. Yeah. Being able to, being able to reach out and, 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 and uh, communicate with your patients at a time when they're not sick really drives a lot of value. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so we talked a lot about, you know, the really great things and a lot of the benefits I think that specialty pharmacy can bring. Um, and I think you've mentioned a few of the challenges, but what do you see some of the challenges um, that arise with specialty pharmacy? Well, really, I mean, you know, I, I would take it back to um, uh, this slide. Um, and so the, the, the challenges are first and foremost, or maybe even to that definition slide. You know, uh, I, I remember when I first got it started um, speaking to health system administrators about specialty pharmacy, they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, we got it all covered. We have an infusion center. And, and, and then you're trying to pivot them to understand a whole new world, which is the pharmacy benefit. And I will tell you, it happened to me yesterday. I was doing a presentation for a number of chief financial officers, and um, it was very hard for uh, them to pivot off of what they understood under the buy-in bill infusion business and understand that there's an entire world out there under the pharmacy benefit that constitutes more than way more than what is happening in the infusion space and being able to understand that and describe that um, you know it's 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 pretty difficult to be able to do that and so um, you know bottom line is is that being able to to drill it down and explain um, what specialty pharmacy is and the value that it can bring to a health system all in in 45 minutes to an hour that's that's a, a pretty tough objective because there's so many pieces there's so many players there's so many inputs and um and and, and typically health systems are um uh risk averse right and so um for them to want to engage in this conversation means that they have to think outside of the space that they currently occupy and uh and 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 getting getting across that channel is uh is really the 
the most difficult piece with, um, uh, you know, communicating with a health system administrator and explaining the value proposition um, that is, it, and it's not a value proposition for the pharmacy, it's work for the pharmacy, uh, which is why we strongly recommend a partner in the space. Um, but um, it, it really is for the patient. Um, yeah. The health system is in the ideal position. They control the electronic health record. Um, they, uh, you know, have the medical staff. They have the team in place to be able to provide the greatest degree of care for that patient and doing so in a coordinated fashion across all of their therapies is really what you want to do. And, and, and historically, specialty pharmacy has always sat out there by itself and um, no, nobody uh, engaged or, or, you know, uh, took it on as a responsibility of patient care. Yeah. And so for the last question, because I feel like we have talked so much about all the things specialty and why it's important, you know, the impact it plays in um, the entire organization and in the pharmacy department. Um, and we have in this class, you know, uh, students who are future pharmacy leaders. We have working professionals now in our courses. Um, so what advice or, or thoughts would you give them, you know, having this experience and, and talking with administrators to prepare themselves for this conversation? Because I feel like as a leader and leaders in pharmacy, you're, they're going to be the ones that are, you know, trying to bridge that gap and working one on one with those administrators and explaining these types of things to them and new services. So in all of that, how do you think that they could best prepare or what advice do you have for them in this area? Yeah, I, I think the first step and more the most important step is really become aware. Um, you know, historically, especially in the health, you know, it, it's been bifurcated, right? When we look at pharmacy, it's really been bifurcated. People go into the health system, they go into retail, and then there's a smattering of folks that go into some other things here and there, home health, you know, ambulatory, whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, the reality is, is that if we're going to take care of a patient, um, then we need to understand the entire value stream of pharmacy and all the relevant points across that value stream, whether that's, um, uh, that's, that's uh, crazy Maisie, that's my dog. Um, so anyways, uh, she's losing her mind. That's only one of them. We have two Jack Russells and, and uh, we, Jack Russell terrorists and they both lose their mind at times. So any case, um, the, the, the understanding that value stream becomes really critical at the end of the day um, and, and, and yeah, we still are going to need experts in retail. We're going to need experts in the health system space, but to basically say, well, I'm a, I'm an inpatient pharmacy leader. I'm a retail pharmacy leader, you know, never the twixt shall meet, I think is a really unfortunate. Um, and we need to all grow and understand that the value proposition is in taking care of patients. I I, uh, I had a um, a coworker once um, Friday afternoon. The IT system is going down, and uh, the IT guy comes in and says, "You know, hey, this is you know unfortunate, but you know, bottom line is is that you know we're not going to be able to get this up until Monday, 
And uh, my coworker looked at him and said, so what do you want us to do in the meantime? And, and the IT guy says, well, you know, all you do is distribute drugs. So, you know, what's the big deal? And, and he looked at him and he said, uh, well, I, I don't know if you understand this or not, but patients, come, patients basically get better as a result of one of two things. They come in, somebody figures out that there's something wrong with them and they cut it out. Okay? Or we give them a drug and that takes care of whatever their malady is. That's typically what we see. Now, if you would like us to stop doing that, we might as well just close the doors. And so what we understand is, is that pharmacy, that, that drugs are an integral part of a patient's care, whether that's a specialty pharmaceutical, whether that's an infusible a specialty pharmaceutical, a small molecule drug, all of these play very, very important parts in managing the patient and keeping the patient well and keeping the patient out of the hospital or getting them, um, uh, get either getting them out of the hospital or keeping them out of the hospital. Yeah, that plays a lot into many different things and themes that the students will hear throughout this course. And I wrote down two things that I really liked what you said, you know, understanding the value stream and understanding the value proposition is, is taking care of the patients. I think that's great words of wisdom and advice and things that, you know, um, I myself need to hear every once in a while and all leaders do, and especially future leaders in pharmacy. So thank you so much. I feel um, that this was very informative and um, you really went into detail um, about all the different things that specialty has to offer and the challenges. Um, so thank you very much for joining us today. And I, I think that Thanks the students will find this information very beneficial. So thank you. Great. Thank you.